Welcome into another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith with George Vogel on our weekly little show here uh, where we talk all things Cincinnati sports, the Bengals, the Bearcats, the Reds, little FC, little high school football. Uh, but without further ado, George, how are we doing tonight? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I I, I wore my FC t-shirt. What's I nice? have my, F, my FC hat on. I'm pretending to be a soccer fan. Well, you look like a good one tonight. I you don't have the, the winning team, baby. I don't have the, the scarf or whatever they call them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I call it scarf, too. I've got one somewhere. Uh, <laughs> when I was at work, they I, I probably got two or three of those sent to me. They're pretty nice. But um, to the uh, loyal season ticket holders in the newsroom, I usually gave it up for them. But I have one of them here somewhere. And I have a jersey and I have a polo shirt, a T-shirt. I don't know if I have a hat. I should have a Oh, yeah, I got a knit cap. Usually, nice. yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I can bust that out for one of these playoff games coming up because they were just dominant the other night. So I think they're going to just roar right into those semifinals and then uh, take it to the conference final and then to the MLS Cup, all at TQL Stadium. But we'll get to some of that maybe. What's on your mind tonight? NFL football, Bearcat I think football. We start. No, I think we got to start with the Cincinnati Bengals for sure, as uh, they they're all the way back. They sure they look are, like it. They are all the way back. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put just like you don't put too much stock in a bad performance, you know, because you don't want to go overboard on that. You try not to go overboard on how good they looked, but they played a good team on the road out west. Um, you know, and, and San Francisco's suffering a little bit right now. There's no doubt about it. That's three straight losses for them after starting 5-0. and But there's very little negative you can say about what the Bengals did out there on that field. There's a couple of things that we'll get to, but um, that, that's nitpicking at this point. To see Joe Burrow operate the way he did, the Bengals with a comfortable 31-17 win out there, now 4-3, and three, uh, without question – they are the best last place team in the NFL right now because technically they are in last place in the AFC North. But I saw a thing today where the, the Bengals, their, their, their Super Bowl odds are still like plus 1,600 or something. And I think I might want a piece of that. Um, I think uh, I definitely want a piece of if it stays under three against the Bills at home Sunday night, I think I want a piece of that. Uh, what I saw Sunday was nothing short of impressive. And Joe Burrow had what may be the best game of his career. Certainly by far and away the best game this season. Uh, he's healthy. He's healthy and he's comfortable and he's moving in the pocket like we were used to him moving in the pocket. Uh, feels pressure, has that uncanny, uncanny knack to avoid sacks and get out of there. And not only get out of there, but still look downfield and make plays. Um you know, what can you say? The dude was 28 of 32, three touchdowns. At one point had 19, the last 19 passes in the first half, all completions. I mean, that that's a solid game by anybody. Yeah. 
the one play that he rolled he rolled out of two sack opportunities by one by Armstead, one by Bosa, and then scrambles out to get that first down, just dot right to T. Higgins, just unbelievable. That's and that was when the third knew, right. That was third that was and ten. When, so if you're the nine, you that he would see that play developing, you're like, all right, we're gonna get the ball back, right? That was that's when they on steroids. That's when they decide they're going out and getting Chase Young, right? Yeah, that yeah. play that play makes them go out. They needed him on the other side, I guess, because he roll. I, first of all, just for him to escape and get out of it, and then to throw that's, that dart to T, and 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 T was funny about it because he's like. God, I thought he was sacked. Then I thought he was sacked again. And, and then I see him escape, and I'm like, oh, S-H, I got I to gotta try to get open, which he did. And, he, and, I mean, that was just a tremendous play on both ends. But certainly the greater end of that play was Joe Burrow and what he did. Uh, that's got to frustrate the heck out of a defense when, when you've got him trapped like that. And not only does he get out of it, he still can find a man downfield. And I'll tell you, the Bengals, with, with those three receivers working the way they do, Tyler Boyd was so big early in that game. I know I, 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 I saw on him every week how much I like that kid's game. And I hope there's a way to keep him around because I, I just love his attitude and the way he stuck through this whole thing when it was going off the rails. And he kind of kept the locker room going and, and then Joe Burrow comes along and Chase comes along and you know he's kind of taking a back seat but that that hasn't stopped him from being a leader stepping up when they need him and early in that game he was huge he was huge and and you know kudos to Burrow too spreading that ball around the way he did um they're they're, they're a tough tough out uh when they play like that and that's the way they played last year when they got on that roll and here we are, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you're thinking, eh, this is like, you know, and I don't feel there's any way they can reel off 10 in a row. Boy, they go out and play like that, and it's like I, they can do just about anything is how you feel right sure. now. Sure. You bring up them spreading the ball around. Uh, I really liked what they did when they brought in Trent Irwin um, when it seemed like they started to bottle up some of the other guys. All of a sudden you bring in Trent Irwin and you're moving the sticks again in just a little bit that he was in there making some, some plays. Irv Smith Jr., even after the fumble in the red zone, uh, he continu Joe continues to go out and, and find him to continue moving the chains um, in the second half, and, and that's just character. It just shows – so much uh, maturity in Joe Burrow, I guess, because I don't know that if it was yeah. me that I would have gone back at Irv Smith after yeah. you um, fumble it right there in the, in the red zone like that, uh, spreading it to Yoshi for a touchdown, the only yeah. reception he has on the day for two yards there. Um, and just, a good play by him, by the way, where he ran that and saw what was going on and then comes yep. back towards the front of the end zone to the quarterback and gave Joe someone to throw to. It, it, was, um, it was impressive, and, and that's what you got to do. Keep a play alive, man. The 23 yards that Mixon had takes him over 100 on the day with his rushing yards. Um, then Jamar Chase, of course, gets his 10 for 10 and ends yeah. up with 100 yards on the day. Another touchdown for him. Uh, T. Higgins made some – I felt like it was the first game that T. Higgins really felt almost back. I still didn't feel like he was all the way back, but almost back. 
Uh, but just yeah, he was a, he was he was a pretty good part of things, and and I felt like he was making plays and he was getting open, and I I felt like he was much more part of the game this week than he's been. I'm sure. I'm putting him somewhere around that 80 85 percent mark uh, from yeah. just the eye test. Uh, but like like you said, spreading the ball around, I just that was definitely a point I wanted to get to, and and how he did it. Yeah, and and you know Joe's got his mobility back, and on top of that. The offensive line played pretty darn well. I mean, honestly, it wasn't perfect. However, you right now you've got those guys all kind of hitting on their cylinders. Um, all five of them, the starters played really the whole game. Uh, I, I just and, and they, you know, they run the ball well. And and you brought up the Irv Smith thing, and that's something I was going to get to that rankled the hell out of me. And I know the Bengals have struggled running the ball in short yardage situations, but it's first and goal at the three. Why in the heck are we doing a shovel pass to a tight end when I, Joe Mixon was running the way he was? I would have pounded that thing up in there the way that yeah. offensive line was going. There's no way I'm risking something like that. And, and you know, should Irv have held it? Yeah, sure, he should have had it, and that shouldn't have happened, and you don't fumble the ball in that situation. But at the same time, um, maybe don't ask him to do that when you really haven't asked him to do that yet this year, and it's first and goal at the three. I think I think the announcers had said at that point in the season he had seven catches prior mm-hmm. to that. Um, so yeah, he hasn't been asked to do much of anything at that point in time right. in regards to catching and running with the ball. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I yelled at the same thing at my TV. What the hell are we passing it for? Right. First you're three yards from Pater. Just everybody in the bar. In. I was at. It's like what is it? Yeah, uh, especially the way they were running the football and the way Joe Mixon was. It honestly, that looked like the first time this year I would have trusted them in short yardage situations running the ball the way they seemed like they were. You know, the offensive line was getting off the ball and Joe was pounding it up in there, and he's been doing that all. I mean, he's been running hard all year. Um, it seems like he is. There's none of this jittering around in the backfield or monkeying around with the football. He's just pounding it right where he wants to pound it, and it's working. I, I think he's looked terrific. I agree. And I wasn't uh, sure they, I wasn't sure that they should find a way to bring him back this year. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, that I, I was fine with them moving on, but now I'm glad they didn't with the way he's been running the football. And, and I, I just very pleased with that part of it. Um, and we'll get to this in a minute, but we wish they would have found somebody else that can do that too sure. to help out with that trade deadline passing. But before we get to that and, and the disappointments there, um, I, th- I think you have to talk defensively how the Bengals play too. And, and once again, in the red zone, I mean, that Jermaine Pratt interception was out of this world. And I don't know how he didn't stay in bounds. He was just off balance a little or something. He may have gone the distance with that thing. I think Brock Purdy was the only thing that was in his way. Uh, but that was just a great play. I, I couldn't believe he caught it. Because for a second, I'm like, where'd the ball go? And then he's running with it. It's like, how'd he do that? I mean, that was amazing, you know. And 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 while the Bengals didn't turn that into points immediately, it did keep San Francisco from getting points on the board. Sure. And, and then Logan Wilson had his interception down at the other end. And that did set up a score for the Bengals. So uh, the defense, you know, a couple of sacks, seven quarterback hits and all. Uh, 
And again, you know, they allow some yards, but when push comes to shove and, and they need some big plays to, to keep things cooking, they make them. I mean, they just do. Yeah. San Francisco, we talked about it last week. They had, they had lost the game. You didn't think it was possible. They were going to lose two in a row. Um, but here we are. Uh, the Luan Rumo dialed up a great defense against a team that is capable of putting a ton of points on the board. I don't care if Trent Williams isn't in the game. I don't care if Debo isn't in the game. They still have weapons. Uh, Ayuk, Ayuk looked good out there. He had a couple plays where I'm like, why is he that wide open? He's, of course, busting up what looked like, at least to me, looked like some zone coverage. Um, Christian McCaffrey's always a threat. And this team got after Brock Purdy, plain and simple. They made him come back to earth a little bit more if if last week wasn't enough. Uh, This week was another just reining him back in, um, making him look a little bit more like Mr. Relevant as opposed to an MVP candidate. Right. Um, But they, they still have been good. They've been finding ways. Shanahan is a magician with his quarterbacks. It doesn't seem to matter who's in and who's not in just the ways that he exploits a defense. Luana Rumo, however, I think is a master magician, which is a step above being just a regular magician. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think he's proven that the last three years with what he's done with this defense and, and you know their ability to just come up with the plays and the stops that matter the most. Um, he's got that defense in a good spot mentally, physically, across the board. I mean, the dude knows what he's doing and he knows how to use the guys that he has and put them in the best positions to be successful. And uh, yeah, that all of that was definitely impressive. And uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, if they build on that at home, I feel really good about it. I, I feel good about what I saw. They get out of there healthy. Um, you can blame me. For George Kittle coming alive, though, because um, I've been kind of a fan of his, but he's dropped off a little bit. You don't see it. It's like, plus I had him on a fantasy team, I think, last year. It's like, dude, you ever going to do anything? So they show a shot of him on the bench. They show a shot of him, and he hadn't done squat, right? I go, there's the invisible man. They're like, why do you – I go, because the guy, you know, he looked all world for a couple years there. Now you never see him do anything anymore. And then the oh, minute sure. I said that, kittle, 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 kittle. It's like if if they would have found the co- a way to come back and make that a lot closer at the end, I was going to feel really bad about ripping on that dude when they took that shot at him. Because the minute, and I'm a jinx like that, I am a jinx like that. <laughs> the minute I open my mouth and say something like that, uh, I eat every word I just spewed out. And I did Sunday with him. Uh, big plays, like you had said, from uh, the linebackers, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. What a move from this front office to make sure that they signed up both of these dudes for several years. Now we're, we're solid at linebacker, and they seems like they finally are starting to value that linebacker position now that they found some guys via the draft that they didn't want to lose. Yeah. And, you know, with those guys behind a defensive line that does what it does, you know, with B.J. Hill and Reeder in there, um, thank goodness Hendrickson was fine with that when his foot got stepped on. Because that was weird. I see that play happening. And the first slow-mo, I'm like, what in the world happened? Then they showed that guy Mm -hmm. 
I think it was a 49er stepped on his foot. It was, yeah. But when you saw it, I'm like, okay, it didn't roll all the way. I think this dude's going to be okay because he's been such a tremendous asset. He's a wrecking ball. They're, they're, you know, their front six or seven, whatever you want to call it, um, they're they're darn good. And and to me, it starts up front there. I mean, you don't – if you have really awful DBs, and we're going to get to some of that later when it comes to college football, they're going to get exploited. I don't care what you have up front. But the Bengals' DBs are not horrible. Uh, in fact, their corners are playing well. Mike Hilton, again, making some big plays and 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 coming through, stopping the run on that one. Should, have been, I mean, should have been an interception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, we talked about Cam Taylor-Britt last week or the week before about how he's emerging, and it looks like he's okay, too. He came up mm-hmm. problem once, but he was back in there. Um yeah, it's you know I, I I still don't know completely, and and Dax Hill had the pick, but I don't know completely about the safeties if they're as solid as what they had before. That's a tough ask, you know, when you when you had the two guys they had, but uh, but they're getting the job done, and they're they're fitting in with this defense and and allow them to play as as well as they played the past couple of years when they made the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, the the team doesn't have a whole lot of, of glaring weaknesses right now. Today was the day. If you were going to make a move, today was the deadline to make any of those trades. The Niners, as we had alluded to earlier, uh, they did make a move trading for Chase Young. The third round pick goes for Chase Young. I think the thing that frustrates me as a fan more than anything with that pick is the fact that uh, this comes courtesy of Adam Schefter. Uh, if Chase Young leaves in free agency for a big contract, the 49ers could potentially recoup that third-round compensatory pick in the form of another compensatory pick. So essentially, it becomes a wash. Right. Granted, the compensatory pick wash. Right. The, com- the compensatory pick would be later in the round than what you would have had. But if you're going as deep into the playoffs as you're assuming you're going to, it's not that much of a difference. So if you're trading that third round pick, I understand how much the Bengals value picks. I really do. But if you're not going to bring the guy back and you, because you can't afford to, you don't, you don't have that connection with him. You don't care. um, Or you, you simply just don't want to pay a guy at that position, whatever the case may be third round pick for getting a third round pick because you're going to let him go. Somebody's going to sign him for a, a compensatory pick. Is it that much of a big deal? No, that, that's a wise move by the Niners in my book. Um, and I get it, you know, the, the high picks, all, all picks have value, but my God, when you know what you're getting in return and you know what your team's weakness is, and if you have a chance to up your team at the expense of that pick, why not do it? You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying trade all your picks like some of these teams have done in the past. But if you have a chance to pick up a position of need where you have a chance to go deep in the playoffs and you do it for a third or fourth round pick or, you know, there were there were six round picks going today for guys that are, you know, capable players, you do it. You just do it. You don't know what the heck you're going to get with that pick. But I know what I'm getting when I'm getting a veteran or a guy that's shown what he can or cannot do in the league. 
Um, but I, I, I'm guessing there just wasn't a fit for the Bengals. But, of course, they haven't done anything like that in forever. Right. To, to trade a pick for a player during the season at the deadline, it just doesn't happen here. And, and I still think this bunch today is a little different. I try not to judge them on that or, or, or let that influence my thinking there. But they didn't do anything. So, obviously, there was nothing there for the liking. But I do think, you know, another running back would have been nice and certainly another tight end. Yeah, One especially, or the other, you know. Especially when you have rumors flying around about interesting guys like Hunter Henry, interesting guys like right. um, bringing back um, – Hayden Hurst, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I can understand not bringing Hunter Henry in. He's got quite a bit of contract up in New England. Um, Hayden yeah. Hurst is, as well has next year, especially uh, quite a bit of a contract there. But had you made the move prior to, I believe, yesterday, you could have also renegotiated the contract. So there, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't know what, what Hayden Hurst would be thinking or if he would want to redo that to come back here. Seemed like he had a good time playing here. So, See, this is why you have to be more active on Twitter. Things like his mom liking a post by one of the super fans that, that happened when, when he was discussing, you know, wanting to bring back Hayden Hurst and the things that he would, the, the lengths he would go to if Hayden Hurst did come back. Um, and, and Hayden Hurst's mother actually <laughs> liked that. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I just don't have – I'm retired and I've got all day, but I don't have time to sit on Twitter all day. I know. You don't even repost this show, George. I, 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 I did a couple of weeks ago. I will tonight. All right. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> God, ye of little faith. <laughs> but I do um, have a track record. Even after the win, though, the Bengals are still actually in the basement of the AFC North, which is absolutely insane. Um, sitting at four and three and in the basement, um, the Ravens still leading the way as they now sit at six and two. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati all at four and three. But the Bengals 0 and 2 in the uh, division, 0 and 2. Yeah. Or whatever, zero and three in the uh, AFC, um, which you know, a little bit of a concern when it comes to tiebreaker time, and hopefully that sure. doesn't matter. But a lot, a lot of, a lot of room to go. But you know how these things come down to that. Too bad they don't play in the NFC West. They'd be four and zero with in the division and and, rock, <laughs> and have a chance at all four of them again. Um, that, that's 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 weird. That is so strange that that's how that's played out. But but that's where we're at. But, uh, you know, the Bengals, I think, based on what we saw, I, I'm not overly concerned that they're going to be in that hunt and they're going to be back there knocking on the door come uh, come playoff time and AFC championship time. Uh, they look like a team that's ready to go now. Well, you bring up AFC championship and you do have one of the favorites for the AFC championship coming into town on Sunday. As Buffalo comes back, the last time, of course, they were here being the whole DeMar Hamlin debacle. Yeah, crazy. Um, Cincinnati right now is favored two and a half. The over-under is somehow only at 48 and a half. I don't know that that's even a fair number for this game. Um, I, I think it'll 
probably splash louder than that. Uh, that said, ESPN's FPI gives the Buffalo Bills nearly a 67% chance to win this game. I don't buy that. Um, no, not after the way that. they played last week. <laughs> not in Cincinnati. I don't know if they're figuring in all that primetime stuff and, and the horrible history there and things of that nature. But I'll, I'll take, first of all, I'll give that two and a half right now. If it's I tell my half, I'm on it. Did I tell the joke of the week I heard last week on this show or was it somewhere else? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, George. Yeah. Did you know that Taylor Swift has shown up at more NFL games this year than Josh Allen? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's one I wouldn't have bet on before the season. I'll tell you that right now. I will He's been very that. hit or miss. But yeah, um, what they're five and three, the Bills. Yes. Sitting at five and three. Um, yeah, and and you know they they got that win Thursday night at Tampa Bay. Showed a little up tempo. Showed a little no huddle. Um, I'm Side sure Leonard Fournette do that. I'm sure they're going to try to do that again um, with the Bengals because they had some success with it. But uh, the thing about the Bills, um, they're they they've lost two or three key starters on defense, and they made a deal today. Right? Didn't they make a deal for a corner with the Packers? I think. Uh, I'm not. I not. I don't know off the top of my head on in that regard. I know they did sign Leonard Fournette. Yeah, they did that too. I thought they made a deal with the Packers. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I thought they got a corner um, because you know the, their safety's out. They lost a corner earlier. Uh, their linebackers out. Um, they're kind of beat up defensively, and I think the Bengals. Uh, with the way they've been churning on offense here, or at least they did Sunday, can yes. take advantage of that. They brought in eight points is going to be in trouble on that game too. They brought in Russell Douglas for a fifth round pick. So I'm he's sorry, a quarter, right from the they, back. They, they got they got Russell Douglas and a fifth mm-hmm. round pick in exchange for a third round pick from Green Bay. Yeah. There so you know, to the Bills' credit, they went out and got some help where they needed. Um, but they lost some really good players on that defense. And and that that's – all teams have injuries, but that's just a tough one for them to take. And and we'll see if the Bengals can take advantage of that. Um, yeah, they uh, they do have the, the, the uh, emotional thing with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing. He played earlier in the – I think earlier in the month he played against the Dolphins, but he hasn't played. He's been inactive the past couple of weeks. Um, but he'll be here, I'm sure. And, you know, hopefully he comes out and, you know, the fans can, can give him his due and, and we all make amends and everything works out and they can play a hell of a game of football on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, it is the first, I believe first ever, uh, stripe the bowl or stripe the, the jungle. Yeah. Uh, They're, they're attempting to, uh, have, have the sections striped off. So you're supposed to wear black or orange according to where your seats are. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you are in, uh, going to be attending the game. Um, but should be should be a fun one. I, I know 
just from talking to everyone who was at the last Bengals Bills game, and I can only imagine that they're going to try and replicate that same energy. Um, but everybody who was there the last time said it was the loudest they'd ever heard that stadium ever. Um, just, I think it was a Monday night one for that. Yes, um, it was. And it was came out looking pretty darn good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got down the field offensively, but you know, the bills, you still got Josh Allen. You never know. You know, when he's on, Stefan Diggs is a thorn in everybody's side. I mean, that guy, it just doesn't matter where he's playing and and, and who's throwing to him. He's hes always going to get his. Uh, James Cook, the running back's coming into his own. They got a pretty good tight end. So there's still some stuff there offensively uh, where they can cause you problems. Um, so, yeah, if, if Vegas says two and a half, they're expecting the tight one. I think it'll be a great game, but – my God, the way the Bengals look Sunday, I, I, I want to give that two and a half. I'm thinking I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, uh, Khalil Sh- uh, Shakir, um, I guess, led them in yards last week. He came out of nowhere. Um, Gabe Davis has been a problem there as well the last couple of years. Yeah. Dalton Kincaid was a tight end that the Bengals could have had had they not drafted Miles Murphy, um, but they made – made the decision to go after a defensive end rather than a tight end and Dalton Kincaid. Right, he's having a pretty darn good rookie year, right? He's looked pretty good. And uh, that yeah. should continue to trend up as uh, their other tight end um, is, is Dawson Knox is it's done for the year, I believe. So, right. Yeah, they've I don't lost, know. Some lost some players, but we'll see. It's going to be fun Sunday night. I can't wait to see the stadium. They if they actually pull that off, that'll be pretty cool. I agree, especially when they do the aerial shot, as they are one to do on night games, uh, especially. Well, I'll tell you what, and... NBC with that Sunday night football, and this isn't just a WLWT alum talking. Uh, they do that thing right. Uh, they roll in the trucks and the production, and I know Chris takes his share of grief from Cincinnati fans because they always think he's kind of not you know, completely on board with the Bengals. I, I think he's uh, he's as good as they, we've ever had being an analyst on football and the stuff that he picks out and he's right about. Uh, his preparation is second to none. I've seen it. I've heard about it. Um, that dude cares about what he's doing, and he goes into those games knowing every little thing you could possibly know uh, about both teams. So I, I just – I love that Sunday night production and what they do. If I had one complaint, and I have this complaint about every game, big game there is, is there's just too much flash at the beginning with the intro and the song and all that crap. Just get to the coin flip and let's go. Now here's a guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. John Madden. I'm I'm on carpet. I put Chris and him as the top two all time. No, Chris Chris is the one who always drops the now here's a guy. Well, that's what Madden used to do too. Did he? I didn't I didn't know that Madden I, maybe that's where he got it from. I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't really do the chair sliding because I'm on carpet here, but you know. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, doesn't do the booms and the pals and the the Gino Madden. And and I know a lot of people thought he always stated the obvious and a lot of times he did, you know, like Look at that guy with the mud flying up in the back and the big paws. And I mean, it just, it just was something else. Um, 
But, uh, you know, John Madden, I have a game named after you like that, the NFL game, and it's still going strong. He was something else, something else. So speaking of something else, uh, yep. there was something else that happened this past weekend, and that was a Bearcats football game, believe it oh. or not. It is now the sixth straight loss, the longest losing streak since 1998. Uh, again, under the only guest we've ever had on this show, under Coach Minter. <laughs> <laughs> He's been coming up a lot lately. <laughs> the, 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 the Michigan scandal that's going on right now. None of it coming up roses. He'll never be on a show with us again. (laughs) Um, But the Cincinnati did fall. Uh, This time was just, it it was in the rain. And Oklahoma State has a giant homecoming. They, They call it the world's biggest, world's greatest homecoming, I believe. World's greatest, maybe. Um, 120, 130,000 people go to Stillwater uh, to hang out for homecoming. And, and 10 what, 7 at halftime. Get in, something like that. Yeah, t- 10 7 at halftime. Oklahoma State's up. Cincinnati feels maybe like they had a chance. And all of a sudden, what I believe it was before the halfway through the third quarter, I think it was nine minutes and some change before Oklahoma State had put up its second touchdown in roughly as many minutes. And that was where it all, the wheels came off. Well, yeah, when you're down 10 to 7 at the half, you should have a chance and you should be um, ready to come out and and stick your nose in there and, and try to win that ball game. But they got waylaid in that second half. And I'll tell you, um, the obvious thing to start is what was said today and what happened Saturday, you, the quarterback change. I mean, I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all, but you got to do it. You got to do it. And, and here's why you got to do it in my estimation. I don't see any respect for that UC passing game, none whatsoever from these opposing defenses. UC is able to run the ball. They've run the ball very well. But when you're third and 14 and you're handing off to the running back, this is in the first half, mind you, still a ball game. You're content to hand off. You're third and 19. You're content to hand off. You're third and 12 and your quarterback runs it and fumbles. That's a problem. It's a problem that the coaches don't have a lot of faith in that passing game that you're going to create something to get a first down and keep the drive alive. Um, and then the one, results of it all. You had one play left in the, at the end of the first half, and you ran the ball instead of passing it. I, I, yes, I would have passed it to the end zone or however close you could have gotten from, from where they were on the field. Or I would have just knelt on the damn thing. I, I, you know, you saw what happened. Somebody gets hurt, right? Miles Montgomery takes yep. a shot and – and he can't play the rest of the game. And sounds like he'll play this week. Sounds right. like Kiner will play this week. Sounds like Ryan Montgomery is going to be back enough to help this week. So they won't be handing off to the red shirt walk-on. God bless his heart. Thank God he was there. But um, I, I just don't see, you know, and, and they run well. But sometimes you get behind the chains and you got to pass. 
you got to be able to throw it. He threw 16 times in a game where you lose 45 to 13. And it's probably not all his fault. I don't know that the receivers are getting separation. Um, they may not be, and that could be half the problem. That could be more than half the problem. But all I know is there's a lack of respect for that passing game, and there's certainly a lack of confidence in that passing game from the UC stance. So I, I think when you get to that point, it's time to make the change. And, and if you think that what's coming is going to be worse, then, yeah, you don't make the change because you do still owe it to the kids that have been around the program that are the last year players to try to win. You got to try to win the games, whatever's left on the schedule, whatever little bit of daylight there is, you got to go for it and give it your best shot. All that being said, I, I just don't think running, and I know it was wet and an ugly night and it's cold and you don't want to risk a turnover, but my God, when you're doing it on every third down that has any length to it at all and you're afraid to throw the football, um, then what are you doing out there? You're, you're, you're not trying to win the damn game. Excuses can be made that it was rainy and wet and cold. Sure. It didn't stop Oklahoma State and Alan Bowman from throwing it 34 times, completing 17, which for those not quick at math, that's half, for 286 yards, two touchdowns. Granted, he did turn it over, but they also put themselves in a position to keep you honest. You couldn't just load the box because they were also throwing the ball. Right. And, and I, you know, and, and then you come out in the third quarter. Um, you give up a score at 17 to seven and then, you know, your quarterback on first and 10 throws an interception that ends up back, you know, inside the 30 yard line of UCs and sets up another touchdown. And with the way your offense is performing in that game and all the other conditions we talked about, that's pretty much game set and match. You know, when you went down 24 to seven or whatever it was, it was game over at that. And, and that shouldn't be the way it is in college football. You have to be able to move the ball some in the air in today's game. And I love their running game. I mean, how can you not? But uh, I also like winning. And I think you've got to have a viable passing game in today's game to have a chance of winning. And right now, I just do not see that with the Bearcats. I don't see it at all. And I think some of that wears on the defense a little bit. And you come out and – you know, you give up that touchdown, then you turn it over, you're back on the field and your back's up against the red zone and you give up another one at that point, you know, you shouldn't give up, but certainly your your psyche is a lot worse than it was when you came out of that locker room for the second half. Defense has been really good against the run this season. They were a top 10 team against the run uh, coming into this game. And after this game, I believe they dropped under 40. Uh, they, they're worse than 40, 40th in the country now. Um, just Ollie Gordon, the the second, uh, 25 carries, 271 yards, two touchdowns. The team finishes with 315 yards. This was supposed to be maybe the best defensive line in the Big 12, and they have not been what I would call the best defensive line in the Big 12 when you struggle to sack the quarterback, when you 
and and of course some of that can be brought on by poor coverage play poor linebacker play call it what you will depends on where you want to be nitpicky at that point in time i guess uh but no sacks in this game against alan bowman it was it's tough sledding yeah if you're bringing you know if you're bringing four guys and you're not blitzing a lot and they don't because they they've got to help those dbs and i think that's that's where they're getting stuck in these games they feel like they have to help these guys and they kind of do and you know it's like anytime they brought pressure before like the byu game they got their butts burned um so you don't bring the pressure and you're hoping these guys get there and they got to get there sometimes if these guys are that good they got to get home and, and get a sack here and there and and it seems like every time they're getting pressure. There's some kind of contain loss. The quarterback will take off on a run. It, it, it's, you know, it's been bad. Um, they give up, what, 60 yards to Gordon in the first half, which was good. I'll take that all day long. That second half, it was an absolute disaster. They let him get going. Um, there's a couple probably underlying reasons for that, but uh, that, that nine-yard touchdown run he had, especially, and that's the one that made it 24 to seven, I believe that one bugged me more than any run in that game, more than that 75 yard run or whatever he had against the second team defense. That one bugged me because there were like three missed tackles on that play. You're at the nine yard line. I, it may have yeah. been first and goal at the nine. And, 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 you know, this guy gets it and you got a guy on him. Nope. He spins out of that. Another guy's got a shot with, uh, and then he goes into the end zone. I mean, that was bad. And, and I'm sorry. I know there was a stat earlier this year about missed tackles and where they were and where they were. It seems to me like there's been more key missed tackles this year than I can remember on a Bearcat team for a long time. Yeah. They, the Bearcats were able to turn the ball over twice uh, defensively. They, they, Forced a fumble and recovered. They forced an interception. And yet, if you go back and try and actually think about this game, remember this game, those plays almost don't even stand out because they weren't able to capitalize on either of those turnovers. They weren't able to turn those turnovers into points. And it just seems almost much of the same. It almost doesn't matter at this point if we're even turning the ball over because it's still offensively ugly. Yeah, but I, I will say the, the, you know, the lack of sacks and the lack of turnovers uh, has surprised me with this defense, given how this staff coming in and what they lived off of in Louisville. And that probably a, a bit of a, a, a distance in talent. Um, you know, after all, we did see this team get pushed around and what was left of their team, but it was what was left of Louisville, too in that bowl game. And that was a joke. So, um, yeah, they, they, uh, did I overestimate the talent on this defense? Probably Did I think, um, I, I really thought the front six or seven would be really good. I was worried about the DBs and now I know why now I know why. Um, it, it's, it's, it's either a, you give up a completion or you get a flag is what it feels like. I agree. And I hope somehow, some way they're able to even still in the 
remaining games, the four remaining games, figure it out to where it's not just so hard to watch. Yeah, you can't have these games where it snowballs on you and gets away like this one did to where, you know, no one would ever believe that was a three-point game at halftime when you see what happened in that second half. And and Oklahoma State, to their credit, they're rolling now. That's a team that didn't start off great. They've got it figured out now. They got a big game this week against the Sooners in Stillwater. Um, You know, it's – the With the championship on the line. And a touchdown. So um, I think the Cowboys will give them all they want. They're playing They're uh, playing for a championship. Yeah, absolutely they are. They're right there. Mm-hmm. They are right there. They figured it out, got it turned around. Uh, I would like UC to make some strides between now and the end of the year. But I also, you know, I, I think they're going to have to make that change at quarterback. And I think we're going to have to see Lichtenberg a lot this week and see what he can do against UCF. You know, even though the Knights, they're 0-5 in the conference uh, like UC, but they've shown a bit of a pulse here against some of these teams. Um, you know, they if I remember right, uh, they played – I think they played Kansas pretty tough, um, Oklahoma, and then we saw what happened with West Virginia this week. But at least they were in the game somewhat. It wasn't like – you. Fa- it wasn't a complete butt-whipping, right? Kansas was 51-22. Okay, that was a bad one. Kansas State, maybe? Is that who they played? Oklahoma State was 31-29. Um, Baylor was Baylor was the one where they gave it up in the fourth quarter and lost. Oh, God, I saw that. I turned that game on in the fourth quarter. It's a route. And I'm like, I'll at least watch and see what, you know, Baylor's got coming in. And from that point on, when I turned that game on, it went so the other way to Baylor. What they score like twenty six or something the fourth quarter to win that unanswered. I was sitting there with my jaw hitting the floor. I did watch the fourth quarter of that. Oklahoma was the one where they gave it the lead in the third quarter and ended up losing that game. Um, and then West Virginia forty one twenty eight. What was that game at halftime? I'm trying to remember. I, I watched some of that Saturday. It was, was at halftime. Just curious. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. 17-14, okay. West Virginia. Yeah, I knew it was a good game there for a while. I was watching it. I just, for whatever reason, don't remember exactly what happened. Um, but we'll see. Um, you see an underdog at home, and I will not be stupid like I was last week, and I would have taken the points. No way. I, I just don't see a pulse in this team right now, to be honest. Yeah, uh, UCF right now favored four and a half. Over under is at 59 and a half. And uh, ESPN's FPI gives UCF 58.8% chance to win that game. So you're telling me, according to this ESPN thing, which I'm, I'm getting the impression is just nothing but a pile of dog you know what, the, the Bearcats have a better chance at winning at home this week than the Bengals, according to that thing. That's correct. Can you enlighten me on this? I can't. I'm I not don't know how they figure that out, but whatever it is, I ain't paying attention to it. I'm gonna it's guess it's ridiculous. I'm gonna guess it's some statistician who doesn't actually have any interest in sports, but just simply puts together algorithms. Right. They're 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 crunching some kind of numbers, but I'm yeah. telling you what, they might want to find a new formula. It, because they, if the Bearcats have a better chance of winning at home this week than the Bengals, I mean, come on. 
Look, George, that they figured out how to make money on bullshit. That's just like a weatherman. <laughs> you worked, you, it. you worked, it. you worked with weather people for years. <laughs> oh Lord, that's a low blow. All I've done since last. All I've done for the past two weeks is complain about the weather forecast. It's like, it's a crappy day to golf. And then it's like, God, it was a great day to golf. Then it's uh hey, it's a great day to golf. No, it's a crappy. That's all I've done is complain about weather reports and meteorologists. I'm just like everybody else now. I'll start calling Kevin Robinson and complaining soon. One of the regulars. Welcome, welcome to the welcome back to the, to the regular world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh um, Lord. Oh, the college football playoffs rankings out mm-hmm. tonight. Anything yes, strike you? I'll tell you what strikes me. Yeah, what the hell is Ohio State doing at number one? Well, they got a couple good wins. Do they? Do they? Well, that's counting Notre Dame. That's counting. Come on, there was somebody else in there decent besides Wisconsin. Indiana? No. <laughs> uh, Penn State? Yes. They're reputable. They're reputable. Sure. And, and when you compare it to Georgia, I mean, Georgia's non conference slate. I'm sorry, like UAB, uh, Middle Tennessee, or someone. None of them ever play anybody in the non con. They don't. I mean, Michigan doesn't. Right now, I Georgia think doesn't, Alabama doesn't, yeah. Either Florida or at Auburn. At Auburn was a good game, and that that was probably their toughest. But here's what strikes me. You got one, two, three, four, five undefeated teams, right? Sure. Who's at number five? Washington, I believe. Yep. Washington. Who has, out of all those five teams, who has the best win according to the college football playoff rankings? Washington beating Oregon, mm-hmm. albeit at Washington. Great game. Unbelievable game. But based on their criteria, then they're going to say, well, the last two weeks, Washington struggled against lesser teams. But they got the damn win. What matters? Winning. Winning. And so they're telling you winning ugly doesn't really matter as much as putting someone away. I get that to a degree, but if you're going to sit there and say Ohio State's above Georgia because Georgia doesn't have as strong a wins as Ohio State and they have two top 25 wins or whatever, the best win out of those five was Washington over Oregon, and they put Washington five. Now, who would I put them above? I don't know, but according to their criteria, they shouldn't be fifth. And now, and when you look at the teams and you know what they're capable of, you could make an argument that, you know, Georgia's number one. They're two-time defending champ. You know, they're missing a couple pieces, but those guys will be back. But their strength of schedule is terrible. Michigan's strength of schedule is terrible. But Washington's sitting at number five with the best win out of those five. Well, did I, they ask I, that question on the show? I, I, I should have been grilled on that. I didn't watch the show, but I'm sure that people For them to sit that. there and say, oh, the last two weeks, Washington didn't look quite as good against lesser. Well, what? Did, George. did Georgia blow UAB out of the water 70 to three? I'm, I don't think so. I'm sure that the line would have been that Ohio State has two ranked wins, one being over. Okay. Uh, 
one being over number 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 nine number nine Notre Dame and number seven Penn State. Yeah, okay, but then, but you put Washington at five. That's what doesn't make sense to me. But I I, I complain about these guys every year. I complain about them, and, and and that's what makes it fun. There's always a lot of wiggle room and arguments on both sides. Um, but I just feel like the team that has the best win to this point and is undefeated probably shouldn't be number five in the pecking order at this point. But they After know all. what we know. It'll shake itself out because Ohio yeah. State and Michigan have to play. Yeah, Washington's got to take care of its business. And I'll tell you what, the way Oregon looked this weekend against Utah, holy God, that makes that damn Washington win even better. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Because Oregon, Oregon looked—I mean, Utah is no joke, no joke at all. And Washington still has to play the Utes. Um, it, it's all going to be fun, and I can't wait to watch it, watch it unfold. I'm just spoiled that you know UC's been in the mix the last several years, and now nowhere on the radar. Not, not sniffing. Nope, not sniffing. And uh, that's a shame. But, um, yeah, first rankings out. And, uh, you know, I, I still I still think in the end it'll be the dogs. But, my God, Ohio State does have some weapons. I mean, my God, they can just come at you in waves. It's not quarterback. Right. It's, it's, it's that's not. not a weapon. Um, all he has to do, though, is throw it anywhere in the vicinity of Marvin Harrison Jr. Correct. And he, makes him, he makes him look good. Um, Correct. But, and, and, you know, that kid's got to be in the Heisman talk, um, you know, along with Bo Nix and a bunch of them. Who knows who it'll be? But, but uh, man, he's making a case. There's no doubt about it. Uh, FC Cincinnati hosted their first playoff game this week. Came out victorious. Of course, Luciano Acosta has a goal because that's what he does. Yes, he does. He's a wrecking ball of of and, a goal scorer. Before I could even get it on Apple TV, I think it was two nil. Um, it, was, it was they were <laughs> it was just bang bang, um, and they end up winning three nil. They go to New York uh, Saturday night for game two of this best of three. Um, I would look for them to polish it off. It's nothing's a given, but. Um, I think it's pretty clear right now who the best team in this league is. That doesn't mean they'll win the cup because anything can happen when you get to this one and done, you know, when it's knockout round time, um, which it will be after this series. But I, I, I have nothing but positive thoughts about FC Cincinnati and their uh, quest to bring a professional championship to Cincinnati, a major professional championship it makes me that much happier that inter miami didn't even make the playoffs oh yeah Just yeah after all of all of the strings that were pulled to bring Messi into the league and they don't even make the playoffs i wouldn't feel nearly as good about fc cincinnati's chances if Messi was in the playoffs uh, so. um, and when that move happened it, it was bigger than kelsey and swift i mean it was ridiculous all the pub and all the hype and, and like, seriously. And when he came to Cincinnati and tickets on the secondary market are going for this or that. And 
look, I'm not the biggest soccer guy out there. I didn't play. I love the fact that FC Cincinnati got it right and brought in some guys to run the organization that know what they're doing in MLS. And if you can figure out that MLS roster and how it works and, and you know, the salary cap and the not the salary, I mean, good luck. And they've got guys that can do that and have done a very good job of it and who seem if they're going to lose a guy, you know, like they lost this season uh, when they lost Brenner, but they had a guy ready to bring right in that just boom out the door goes this one in the door comes health. Um, I just feel like they're always a step or two ahead of the game. And I didn't feel that before in these last couple of years, I felt that way and they built something really, really good. And, not only good for this year, I mean, I just think that organization has staying power. Um, you know, as well as I do, the people who own that team have enough money to keep the front office people from traipsing off somewhere else. They'll be able to match whatever. Right. Um, and, and there's someone that, that's that's got some pride to do that. They're going to they're gonna put the money there. And uh, so I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, great venue to watch a game, beautiful stadium. Um, I wouldn't advise walking home sometimes from it. Um, but um, other than that, they've got it right right now. Well, uh, that brings us to state playoffs. What's going on with the teams oh, that you've been watching? Oh Second round in Ohio. Okay, here's what you got. You got St. X and Muller Division One. Which uh, that game's at St. X. That's that'll be a war. I don't care. I know uh, it, it just that is Lakota West Elder. Are you kidding me? Tom Bolden and Doug Ramsey going at it up there. Should be good. Princeton, I think, probably has the advantage on Hamilton and should win. But Hamilton's had a darn good season. You got to give that team all the credit in the world. And Milford with Tom Grippa at the helm, uh, hosting Mason. And, and and Mason with Kyle Kastner as head coach, you know, they, they survived the, uh, the the game last week and, and head on to Milford, who's been very hot. Those, those are four good games in Division One, And, you know, now you're down to eight teams in the region. You know, you start with 16. And as I said last week, that round, you'll get some stinkers in there. You, you know, when you got one seed against 16, two fit, you're going to get some blowouts. Um that was last round. This round, it gets a lot tougher. Division two, Winton Woods still alive, going to play Withrow, a very good Withrow team at Withrow. Kings and Anderson, um, two teams traditionally just high-powered offenses. Um, I give Anderson the edge, but I don't put anything past Kings. Uh, they've, they've played some really, really good football, and I respect their coach. Uh, Harrison playing at Northmont in Division Two, Division Three. Baden, the number one seed. I think they're going to win state. I really do, barring a disaster. Division Four, McNick playing at Clinton Massey. That's going to be a war, a total war. Um, McNick's tough, but so is Clinton Massey. Taft and Wyoming play. That's interesting. Indian Hill, Alter. Um, so a lot of good football games in Ohio for round two. You know, we're getting down to it where, as I said, I, I don't think you're going to see many blowouts. There may be, but I don't think you're going to see many. And Kentucky, 
finally getting to the playoffs and um, Chad's Lloyd juggernaut hosting Fleming County chalk another one up for the jugs in my book. Um, and then uh, right here down the hill for me, Bellevue at Ludlow, Ludlow. Uh, I went to this game a couple weeks ago where they beat Holy Cross that, and, and I knew it was a district championship. I didn't realize Ludlow's first district championship since 1975. That was good. before you were born. It was. Yes. Yeah. That might have been about the time I was graduating high school. And I believe Ludlow won a state title that year. And then over in Indiana, Batesville playing in 3A, Milan in 1A, and East Central rolling on in 4A. And East Central plays a, a team from Greenwood. And you got to think about Wood. Um, Greenwood, what do you think the nickname is for that team? The Woodies. <laughs> You're very close. That's a good one. The Woodmen. Mm, that was close. <laughs> yeah, you were very close. So that's it. That's all I got. I'm going to go fill this glass up with some more Basil Hayden toast. Um, and then I'll finish this and maybe have another. You are, you are something else. Oh, I got to look at something, though. Okay. That sign back there, I didn't know it was there. I have no idea why it's there. Hopefully you can't read it can't read it thank but god i'm on a smaller screen so maybe those watching on bigger screens <laughs> might be able to i don't know yeah, i don't know where that came from you know what it says what's it say george you'll never know dear how much i love you i don't know where that came from maybe it was your wife george maybe it was your wife <laughs> no one needs to see that yeah, unbelievable. Uh, no one needs to see that. Candid moments with George Fogle, ladies and That's gentlemen. Hilarious. That's going to wrap it up for another episode of George in the Jungle. We'll be right back here next Tuesday night. I got to ask you about next Tuesday. What's going on? I'm going to be in Lexington at a concert. Um, do we record early or is it, or should I do it some? What do you want to do? We'll figure it out off air. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry to dump that on. I meant to say something earlier. I totally forgot that you brought that up. But I didn't no want worries. to. We'll, we'll let you know. I won't have food poisoning, I hope. <laughs> we will let you know what's happening for next Tuesday. But until then, for George Vogel, I am Aaron Smith. This was another episode of George in the Jungle. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.